0: Our main text is first Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to verse 19. San So good to see you on this day. We know the weather is not the greatest, but uh, we still go to church anyhow. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 1. I'm reading from verse 12 in the NIV Bible. It reads as follows. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, underline that, and to everyone else, underline that, that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, Most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly, underline that. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others preach Christ out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former... Preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stay up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true motives, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice for I know. That through your prayers and the help given to me by the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. I want to use the subtitle this morning, In Need of a Little Extra Supply to Make It Through. I don't know if you've been there where you just need a little extra supply to make it through. Let me give you a brief background from the Bible knowledge commentary, and I'll intersperse my comments in this. It's always good for us when we read a passage to give its context so that we can have a full appreciation of what we are reading. But we also can know how to extract principles from that same passage that can apply in our lives. When Paul wrote this passage, we know from history that he was imprisoned in Philippi. And he wasn't imprisoned because he had done anything wrong, but he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And when you read from verse 12 to verse 19, we note from his own experience that he wanted the believers in Philippi to understand what was going on in his life. And to say that even if I've had this misfortune that has befallen me, which it has taken me by surprise, but there are no accidents with God. And wherever you are in your life this morning, there are no accidents with God. Instead of Paul's ministry being curtailed because of being imprisoned, because of the bondage he experienced, instead, his ministry was advanced. And the advance of his ministry came partly because even though Paul was imprisoned, The whole palace guard, as well as others, were hearing about Christ. This is in verse 12 and verse 13. Who are the palace guard? The palace guard referred to the Roman soldiers who kept guard over him. You remember when Nelson Mandela was in the, I think they call, what do you call? Vist of affairs prison? What? Victor? Victor? Victor Fester prison. He had his own house that he stayed in, if you remember. He was a prisoner, but you have your own house. It was the same setup in this instance. Paul had his own facility where he stayed. But because he was a prisoner, he was guarded 24-7 by soldiers. And the custom in these days was that not only were you guarded by the soldiers, you had a specially assigned soldier who would be chained to your wrist. So wherever you go, this soldier was there. So Paul is saying in essence, even if I didn't manage to preach to you in Philippi, these guards here, they're hearing the gospel. It didn't work out the way I thought, but in spite of them trying to curtail me, I'm still preaching the gospel. So this means that all in Rome, who came in contact with Paul, in this instance, had the gospel. As I said, it was well known that Paul was not in prison because he was a log breaker, but he was in prison and he was in chains for the sake of preaching the gospel, for the sake of doing what is right. I think we can learn from Paul that there are times when our lives experience challenge, not because we have sinned, not because we have done anything wrong, But sometimes for the very reason that you are following Christ, that's the very reason why you find yourself in trouble sometimes. And Paul is telling us to not allow that to surprise us. And don't let that abort your mission and stop you in what you want to do. You can still continue even if your life has been hindered in that way. So in an effort then to silence the truth, The authority had incarcerated him, the one who spoke the truth. But in spite of them incarcerating him, their plan didn't work. His incarceration had another effect. Not only did he preach to the guards and to the soldiers, but we've learned from verse 14 that it encouraged the other Christians who were reluctant Christians to speak for Christ. Because verse 14 reads, Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. What Paul is showing us is that trouble takes out another character out of people. Instead of trouble causing them to freeze in fear and to stop what they're doing, There's something about trouble and they are begging against the wall that another nature comes out of them. You see, some of you you haven't been in trouble enough to know what lies on the inside of you and the power of God that's on the inside of you. I was giving them an example in the morning service that, and I've said this before, you know in the township, Barcelona, you know all of us that uh, we, we don't treat pets well, particularly back then. Right now I can see people taking their pets for a walk, you know on a leash, you know. In our time, that never used to happen. Inja, inja. Okay, inja, inja. And, and I, don't know, I don't know how many of you know that rightfully you are not supposed to chain your dog 24-7. Yeah, that's, that's the same reaction I got in the first service. You, you should actually have your, 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 your dog on a chain, on, on a leash when you take it for a walk. But you're really not supposed to chain your dog. Your dog is supposed to be roaming free. Uh, 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 yeah, that's why the book saw. That's why it's Concord saw. He's trying to say, "Take me from the chain, take me from the chain, free me from this chain." I'm not like Paul in prison. Take me from the chain, take me from the chain. But because you don't understand, or a No e Frustrated. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Look at your and Say it looks like when you have a frustrated dog. Actually, Basaran, to tell you even further, dogs are not supposed to bark for mahala. You know, my in Ifra. we had a burbur, bur, my bishop and I, and uh, we, 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 we I, we, I love that dog. And the vet actually showed us what to do and actually told me, no, it's not supposed to bark for nothing. It's supposed to bark when there's something. That's why even when there's problem, you don't know there's problems because it barks all the time. That's a revelation, eh? I know it's not in the Bible, man. it's a revelation, eh? And I remember my, our dog, we used to call him Simba. It was a big bull dog, beautiful dog. And because the, the dogs in the neighborhood were barking, it just starts barking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And I went outside that night. I said, hey, Tula, what? What are you concoating about? Tula. There's no concocting here. You must be quiet. So, you know, anyhow, I was just trying to give a point. So, nevertheless. So, one day, I, 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 I bumped into this stray cat, you know. And, you know, when you get a straight dog and a stray cat. <coughs> you are not nice. So, so, <laughs> so this cat, I started chasing it and it was afraid of me. It ran and ran until I got it cornered and I knew it wasn't going anywhere and I had uh, uh, something in my hands. <laughs> no, this is, bef- this is like somebody said BC, before Christ. Okay, this is Mosasau, no BC before Christ, okay? <laughs> and as I was coming towards this cat to really, you know, all of a sudden this cat changed. It was like it became 10 times bigger than the size I knew. It emitted a sound and, and, and exposed it. And I said, I didn't even wait for the cat to explain. I just turned around and I... I, 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 I ran as fast as my feet could carry me. But it was a shock that I didn't know that this cat had it in itself to be like that until it was backed up. This is what Paul is talking about. That's what Paul is talking about. Some of you, you haven't had situations where you are so backed up that you have nowhere way out. And you start praying prayers that you've never prayed before. You start standing your ground like you've never stood your ground before. And all of a sudden, there's this new person who comes out of you. Who was there all the time. And Paul is saying, when they beat me up and put me up in prison and chained me, there are Christians who were fearful before then. But when they saw that and their back was against the wall and they knew that they were next, all of a sudden they started preaching. And they were fearless about it. And they did it with commitment. Because there's something on the inside of us that pushes us on when we come under attack. Can I hear an amen in the house? And Paul says, instead of them stopping me from preaching, instead of them stopping the gospel from being spread, their attack produced other results. Have you ever been there where people attacked you and they thought they are stopping you? But what they didn't know is in them are taking you, they were starting you. Can I hear a good amen, Basalan? Oh, come on. Can I hear a good amen? Just when they're about to read your obituary, you resurrected in the name of Jesus and you came up. Because trouble is not going to stop a child of God in the name of Jesus. Trouble just takes us to another level. We start operating at another level. Paul says, well, they thought they were stopping me. But the fact is that Even the guys who were lazy, even those who were reluctant, they got up and they started preaching. And I'll tell you why they also got up and they started preaching. Because many of you, you don't realize how others are looking at you. They take their cue from you. And because you are holding on, they are holding on. And because you are bold, they are finding their voice in seeing you. Because they see what you are doing when you are going through trouble, they get inspired. And so they are looking at you because they are taking their cue from you. And they are taking their inspiration from you. Paul says, instead of their attack stopping the gospel, <laughs> it has had other effects. It has had other effects. The soldiers have heard the gospel. Those I'm changed to have heard the gospel. And those who are afraid have heard the gospel and they are preaching the gospel. And the people were emboldened to speak God's word. But then he said, but it's funny that the people who are speaking God's word, there were two kinds. Two kinds. There are those who preached Christ out of envy and rivalry. But there are those who preached Christ out of goodwill. says so those who preach Christ out of goodwill, they did so in love knowing that my chains is a defense for the gospel. And they understood why I was in chains. However, there's this other group that preached out of rivalry and ambition. They had a bad motive. Their purpose was to stir up more trouble for me when I am in bondage. But even if they did that, whether they preached out of love or they preached out of rivalry. Whether they preached to advance the gospel or they preached to stir up trouble for me. I am happy and I'm satisfied as long as the gospel is preached. What do you do to a person that when you attack them, instead of them being angry and coming out against you, they still advance the mission of the gospel. What do you do to somebody? Oh, when you have stolen their thing and you try, they try to recover it and you give them problems, they say, what's working? Let's not worry. Inke, anyhow. Paul is saying, whatever they do, they're not going to frustrate me. Whatever comes my way is not going gonna... am to... Am I talking to people like that? Whatever comes my way, someone not going to stop me. And Paul says, doesn't matter whatever their reason. I did not rejoice because of the faction among the members of the body of Christ. This brought grief to me. Instead, I'm rejoicing that Christ is been preached regardless of the motives of the people. And as a man of convictions, Paul shared his assurance that his chains and his fetters would eventually bring him deliverance. That were deliverance in the New Testament There's two different ways it uses that word. First of all, it talks about salvation or being born again. But the second part is that what Paul used, where it talks about the final stage of salvation or a future vindication in a Roman court. When you get vindicated by God in a Roman court and a sentence is passed, or rather you are found not guilty. Paul says... Even if this is what's happening to me, God's going to vindicate me. I may be in trouble now, but God is going to vindicate me. People may be laughing about me right now, but God is going to vindicate me. I may not fully understand why I'm where I am. I may not understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. I will understand it afterwards. God is going to vindicate me. Can I hear a good amen? Can I have a good Amen. And Paul says, on the basis of this, I have the assurance and I'm resting because I know you, Basalwana, you are praying for me. And I'm relying on the prayers and I'm relying on the help given to me by the spirit of Jesus Christ. It reads in verse 19, for I know that through your prayers. And the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that what has happened to me will turn out to my deliverance. Paul is saying, even if I'm in trouble, I can count on your prayers, Philippians. And I can count on the fact that God will help me through the Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen? It's very interesting that Paul is showing us that in times of a prolonged battle, we've got to have fortitude about us. When you look at the life of Paul and his ministry, it was characterized by trouble and challenge. This continued state of trouble and challenge had the potential of affecting Paul to a point where potentially he could be in total despair and in total despondency and cause him to finally give up on his mission. Instead of being despondent, instead of giving up on his mission, Paul decided that he's going to journey along. He decided that I've got fortitude, I've got determination, I'm going to keep going on strong, and even if I cannot barely walk, I'm going to ask God to help me to push one more step forward. If I'm feeling tired, if I feel the, 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 the journey is too long, I'm going to ask God to help me. And the question is, How did you do it, Paul? How did you do it? See, we need to learn from this because as we reflect almost two years later down the road of COVID-19, many of us have gone through a lot of problems. We've had challenges. We've had trouble. We've had pain. We've lost our loved ones. We've lost our jobs. We've lost our livelihood. We're isolated. We're quarantined. We were hospitalized. And now there's prediction of the fifth wave. We've learned through this time that in times like this, we don't need to get dispirited. But we also understand from what we are reading that you can move into a season of prolonged battles. A prolonged attack where you recover from one and the other one hits you. You come out from one and the other one hits you. You are just never in a space where you are free and it is because of this prolonged attack. As a result of this prolonged attack, you can end up having fatigue in your life. There are some people who end up walking away from God because they say my troubles are too many. There are people who turn their backs on church, turn their backs on reading the Bible, turn their backs on following Christ because the battles are long. But I wanted to show you that the pattern in the Bible is the same. We find people who have experienced these prolonged battles. In reading about the life of David, you'll note that David engaged in a number of battles. And the vast majority of these battles, he became victorious and he achieved success. But when you read 1 Samuel 1918, you kind of get a sense of the type of life that David lived. And it's important for you to take note of a certain phrase that I'm going to highlight. In First Samuel 19, verse 8, and I'm reading the New English Translation, it says, And now, once again, everybody say once again. Once again. Say it again. again. Say it once again. Once again. Look at the name and say neighbor once again. once again. It says, And now, once again, there was war. Have you ever been in a once again situation? <laughs> Just when you came out of financial problems, Relational problems started. Just after you sorted out relational problems, now problems at work started. Just after after fridge ya alate, after ulukisa fridge microwave after ulukisa microwave, then they break into your house. Have you ever been in there once, once, once? And what we see from Scripture, it is this once again phenomenon that causes people to finally throw in the towel. Yeah. Because they don't have the extra strength policy my ministry. My preaching, my teaching has been characterized by a continual attack. It's been one thing to another, to another, to another. And the same was so with David. It says here in verse 8, so David went out to fight the Philistines. Watch. He defeated them thoroughly, and they ran away from him. However, when you read years later, in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 15, it's a different story. It looks like these repeated prolonged battles and wars have taken their toll on him. Like some Christians who end up just giving up. They just stop. People just stop. They just stop in their relationships. They stop in doing something. They just stop, and people just die on the inside. Why? Because I've been fighting too long. I've been in too many battles. I've had too many once again. Note in 2 Samuel 21 verse 15 it says when the Philistines were at war again at war again with Israel David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines and watch and David grew faint finally got to him. Finally got to him. Can I issue a warning? May I ask you never to grow faint? What a sad thing it is to serve God for years and years and years and on the final lap. Give up. But a sad thing it is to work for a company for years and years and years and years and on the final months when you are just about to go into retirement or pension, you do something stupid (laughs) that disqualifies you and they take your pension away from you. David, it finally got to him because he didn't understand that our life as Christians and as believers and as those who follow God is characterized by this once again phenomenon. And if you don't understand that, if you ever think you're going to have a time when you're not dealing with anything wrong or sad, and when you're going through these things, don't look around and check what is it that you have done wrong. In fact, you haven't done anything wrong. You're just preaching the gospel. Like Paul, there's nothing wrong you've done. What's happening? That's the way it is. That's just the way it is. And here it says, and David grew faint. It's interesting to note that one of the judges of Israel by the name of Gideon, he also engaged in a prolonged battle. But his approach was different. An approach that I believe you must take and I must take. In Judges chapter 8 verse 4, if you can open that. It says this, and I'm reading the NIV Bible it says Gideon and his 300 men they were engaged in battle it says exhausted they were tired yet they were keeping up the pursuit tired but fighting tired but praying tired but reading the bible tired but going to church tired but raising my hands to say glory to God Tired, but believing God. Tired, but speaking the word of God. Tired, but waking up to go on my knees to worship God. Tired, but I'm still fighting. Tired, but they kept up the pursuit. The King James Bible says, faint yet pursuing. The Living Bible says, tired, but still chasing the enemy. I love it. I love it. Why? Because it is in the pursuing. It is in the chasing. It is in the moving on when you're tired. It's in the throwing that extra punch. Have you ever seen some of the fights in boxing? You know, I like boxing. You, you, you see this fight where these two boxers, it's almost like, you know, they have really been matched pound for pound. And for 15 rounds, they slug it off. They beat each other up. And, uh, and, and one makes the other one fall down and he gets up and beats the count. And the next round, the other one knocks off the, down the other one. And, and it goes on and for 15 rounds. And here we are on the 15th round, the last round. And they are slugging it out. They are hitting each other. And this one is hitting one. And this one hits. And the other one hits. And they are hitting each other with everything and uppercuts and jabs and, and everything. And they are so tired that they are not even, you, you know, they don't even have any footwork. They are just standing and beating each other in the middle of the ring. That's how hard they are fighting. And 30 seconds to go. And you can see they're tired. And then the one, the one, the one fighter decides, you know what, with all that's in me, I'm just going to throw the final punch. And with this, just drags up all the energy on the inside of him and throws that final punch. And luckily, as the punch lands, the other guy goes down and he gets counted out and he wins the fight. He didn't win the fight because he wasn't tired. He won the fight because he had the will to throw the extra punch. Do we have somebody in the house who's going to just throw that extra punch and say, I'm just going to gather up everything on the inside of me and I'm going to throw the extra punch even if I'm tired. Even if I'm tired, I'm going to pray the extra prayer. Even if I'm tired, I'm going to read the extra verse. Even if I'm tired, I'm going to sing this extra song to the Lord. It says about Gideon tired, he came to Jordan and he crossed. He crossed because he threw the extra punch. I see somebody crossing because they threw the extra punch. And Paul says, I know the secret that made me be able to continue in the midst of the attack is because of two things. Because you, Philippians, you prayed for me. And secondly, it's also because of the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul says, no matter how fierce the battle, no matter how long, how protracted, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't give up on praying. Continue to pray. Even when it doesn't make sense, continue to pray. But then he says, and as you prayed for me, Philippians, something happened. God gave the supply. Wow. And the word supply is a very interesting word. Because it's a strange choice of words. It's not even a a Bible term. Paul went back to go and borrow something that happened in classical Greece. Thousands of years ago, in classical Greece, you would find these huge choral music people, or people who are in drama, these drama companies, of these huge people who would have a big production, huge ones, they would practice endlessly for very huge and important performances in huge theatres. They put a great amount of time, effort, energy, practice, And finally, it was time for the show to go on the road. But just before they could go on the road, they hit one major problem, they ran out of money. Which means these people who had given their lives for the production, who had committed all their resources to make sure that the performance succeeded, but because now they have run out of money, it meant the show was over even before it started. It meant the show is finished. It meant it's the end of their dream. But for some reason, by some luck, a wealthy person heard about their crisis and stepped into the middle of this situation. And this wealthy person made huge financial contributions on behalf of the choir. That expression, financial contribution, on behalf of the choir, it was called a supply. This business person, this contribution, supplied all they needed. And because it supplied all they needed, they could get back to doing their business again. In fact, the gift that was given was so enormous that it was more than what they needed, more than they knew how to spend it. The contribution was so excessively large, so abundant, so overflowing, so overwhelming, they got a supply. This is where Paul says in Philippians 1.19, my God shall supply all your needs. It describes the enormous contribution of the spirit that Jesus Christ wants to give to you. Paul is saying, when you are running out of steam, when you've given your best effort, and Satan jumps in to stop you, and he tries to shut suck at you, don't feel like, and you feel like you have no ounce of energy left to give. When it looks like the resources are drained and you are unable to take another step, that is the moment when Jesus steps in and comes to your aid. That's the moment when he comes and holds your hand and helps you to throw that extra punch so that you can go on to the other side. Because the truth is this, God is a God who always steps in in the, midst, in the, in the nick of time. Remember the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. As they were thrown into the fire, God was there to be the supply remember Paul bleeding with God to take away the thorn in the flesh he said God I'm going around and I'm preaching there's trouble here all the time there's a thorn in the flesh everywhere I turn. there's this messenger of the devil who is buffeting me he says God I prayed and I talked to you and I asked you to deal with this guy but you didn't answer me instead at the end all you said to me was my grace is sufficient for you What you did, God, was you didn't take away the problem. You didn't take away the situation. You didn't take away the messenger of the devil. You just helped me to throw the extra punch. And you told me that my grace is... Am I talking to somebody in the house? God says, just throw that extra punch. And Paul says in verse 10, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in my insults, in my hardships. In my persecutions, in my trouble that I suffer for Christ's sake. Why Paul? For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Uh, When I'm about to fall down, God jumps in with the extra supply. And I'm able to throw the extra punch. When I have my back against the wall, the greater one on the inside of me comes up. And I become another person and I'm able to go on. Because God is able to give the extra supply. Can I hear a good shout and a good amen in the house? As I close, I want to answer the question, how do you put yourself in that position where the extra supply will work? You see, Paul, in his moments of trials, where he was about to give up, he put himself in that space where God's supply could be activated. He says, your prayers, you Philippians, have activated that supply. Paul says, in these times of feeling tired, and it seems the battle is not ending, choose to spend time in the presence of God through prayer and have others pray for you. Because it is the praying and the others praying for you that activates the supply. Isaiah writes, he gives power to the weak and to those who have no mighty increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. So the secret is to wait on God. Paul says in your prayers, as you waited on God, it activated the supply. As I waited on God, it activated the supply. But what does the word wait mean? The word wait means to tarry in God's presence. To be patient in God's presence. But then it has another meaning. It also means You bind together by twisting. Wow. Here I am. I have my back against the wall. Because I'm buffeted by problems. I just feel like I can't take it anymore. But then in that time, instead of giving up, I decide I'm not going to give up. I'm going to go for the extra supply. And as you hit the deck and go down on your knees and begin to pray and you wait on the Lord, God begins to do something. God begins to wrap himself around you. God begins to intertwine himself with you. God begins to twist himself around you. So that in you and God there is an exchange. He takes your fatigue and he gives you his strength. He takes away your fear and gives you his faith. He takes away everything and gives you what is his. So that his strength becomes your strength. And Paul says, when I'm weak then I'm strong. I found out as I stood here when I am about to fall off because I didn't let myself fall off. All of a sudden new strength came because God gave their supply and God gave the supply because I waited on him. And God gave me that extra push. What is your situation today that's preaching to you that it's not going to end? What is it that you're going through today that's telling you I'm going to take you out? I have the word of the Lord for you today. God wants to give you that extra push. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Somebody give the Lord a shout. God, I'm in need of a little extra supply. God says, go on your knees and allow my supply to come your way. For when you are weak, then I'm strong. There's something that happens to God when you spend time in his presence and when your heart and his heart get intertwined many of us can give the testimony that when I look back I don't know how I made it this far (laughs) to tell the truth I wasn't as strong as I thought I am, I didn't say the right things I didn't use the right words Mara. I don't know what happened to me at that time something came all over me and I was able to make it this far Because God is able to give the extra supply. And for those of you who have run out of your supply today, I want to pray for you. You can reconnect with the supply that God has for you. And God can be able to give that supply to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you raise your hands and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, everybody. Don't ever underestimate this act of praying in the Holy Ghost. Stir up, Paul says, stir up, stir up, stir up, stir up, stir up fan into flame, fan into flame the gift. Reba Dabro Sakara Manombra, sakar Dev Manehilinusia Tordes. Mama Mangambra Goderian, Skinambra Kulidea, Sikabro Veba. Arengine Musekar Bedev Rabbanam. Shala manengal stelebaria, Hallelujah! Sele manemboker, la manengle desiana modoviano. Oh, kabagresengresto rebarabada. Pray, somebody in the house. Lift up your heart before the Lord. Lift up your hands before the Lord. Lift up your prayer before the Lord. Lift up your, Lift up your petition, your intercession. Mangia segre segresso corodea mama Mangam brocodoro ya desela baria cotereda ba Pray in the name of Jesus Manengre sekordea mokos ma ngre menengre sekordea Ah ele de braba Ah gabaria nengrides Jamra am the Holy Ghost, somebody the supply of the Holy I Lord, the away the weariness the 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 Gaboria na area se kaboria das. Help us not to throw in the towel. May we throw that one more punch, that extra punch. May we take that one more step. May we try again. Namaikas kembragarde, gran maldeias, chekaterdeia. Oh, rebagredeske da. Mangaleterinde. Mama mangreghe deria da brakata baba Oh sacatos Jana manda brocotore de a mama Rambom grequete da se anamori de Anem manem brodele maria da gretos che brada da baba braba da badeca braba da Hallelujah Everybody who are standing, just remain standing. Just remain right where you are. Just look at me for a while, everybody. Just remain right where you are. Let me tell you a story. Because I, I heard the Spirit of the Lord talk to me about something. Kenneth Hagin tells a story of a place where he went to go and do an outreach meeting. And he would preach like we do. Keep on playing in the background. And he'd pray for the sick and there was this lady who was brought who's had a terminal terminal disease and she would be brought in for prayer and he said as I laid my hands on her I could tell this lady really is not putting her faith in God. She she's just there to be prayed for but and he said and, and I knew that it's not gonna work. And he was in this place those years. He used to, he used to have long meetings. And, and this lady had traveled, had been brought by the family from far. For the whole week, I laid hands on her, he says. And, 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 and the second week came in, and I, and I was thinking to myself every time I saw her, it's not going to work. Mom. I mean, why are they doing this? But he said, on the second week, As they brought this lady and I went over to pray for her, he said, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't have any ounce of faith in me. I was just doing it because I didn't want to hurt them. They had taken so much effort to bring this lady. He said, when I was just about to lay hands on her, the power of God hit that woman so hard. And she got up from a wheelchair, she couldn't walk. She was in a bad state. She totally healed by the power of God. And he says, I was dumbfounded. I was dumbfounded. And, and so I was curious to know. And after the service was done, I then went to this lady, and this lady said, you have to forgive me because a lot of what we, you preach I've never heard before. And so when I came here, I heard you what you were saying, but it was still new to me, and I couldn't somehow get it. She says, but on the second week, I started getting it. I started hearing what was being said, and my faith got activated. She says, so when I came to pray, to be prayed for today, my heart was full of faith. Imagine, her heart was full of faith. The preacher's heart was not full of faith. And she got healed. He said, when I left that night, the Holy Spirit said to me, because he had thought of closing down the crusade, And the Holy Spirit said Can you imagine if you had closed down the crusade Just the night before I'm saying this because there's a couple That's been trying out for children In this auditorium And you are just On the verge of giving up You've had a conversation Recently the two of you Where you were agreeing To stop trying God wants to give you the extra push. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. God wants to give you the extra supply. Sometimes we stop too soon. We stop too early. We give up too soon. When the answer is around the corner. So I want to pray for all of you, Bazzalina, for an extra supply. Some of you could be at work. You've tried and tried again. You just won't give up. Wherever, I don't know what area it is. If you're in any of those categories and you need prayer, would you stand on your feet? Let me pray for you. God, I need an extra supply. Hallelujah. God, I need an extra supply. Would you raise your hands to God as a sign of surrender? We stand here, God, not for show. We stand here without being embarrassed. We stand here because we need your help. We've been battered left, right, and center. And our humanness brings us to a point where we want to throw in the towel. But you've prophetically spoken to us this morning. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're going to throw that extra punch. We're going to allow your supply to transform us and change us. For us to be able to cross over. And so right now as your children stand in your presence. As they lift up their hands as a sign of dependency. I pray that the spirit of the living God will rest upon them. I pray that the anointing will rest upon them. I pray that you will uphold every one of them. I pray Lord that as they spend time in your presence you will intertwine yourself around them and you will give them new strength and new power. I pray that the dynamics of God will be stirred up on the inside of them. I pray that The Holy Spirit, who comes in as our aid and as our helper, will help them, God, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I break every ounce of fear, every ounce of doubt. I rebuke the spirit of fatigue in the name of Jesus and the spirit of giving up. I rebuke discouragement right now in the name of Jesus and I command depression to leave God's children in the name of Jesus. I pray that the refreshing, renewing power of the Holy Spirit will mantle you that the power of the living God will come upon your life in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you will rise with wings as eagles that you will walk and not faint you'll run and you'll not be weary and that newness and freshness will come into your life and into your heart in the name of the Lord Jesus. Follow me, everybody who's standing, and say, Lord, I thank you for renewed strength in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you are stirring up the gift of God on the inside of me. And I will rise. I will rise. I will rise. I will rise. I will rise, I will rise, I will rise by the power of God. I will mount up with wings like eagles. I will not be weary. I will not faint in Jesus' name. Thank you for the supply. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a big hand of praise because he deserves it. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. He deserves it. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. You may be seated for a while. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Keep them bowed. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, please. There may be those of you who are here for the first time. You've been invited. Or maybe you've come on your own. Even if you may have stood for this prayer. The offer for prayer that I'm making now is for a different kind of prayer. There's a kind of prayer where you give your life to Christ. You invite Christ into your life to be the Savior and the Lord of your life. Even if you've come to church, even if you've enjoyed everything, in your heart of heart, you know that your life is not right before God. Or that even your life is far from God. You realize that it is real that God can change your life. It is real that Jesus can come into somebody's life and make them a different person. And you're desiring for that. And you want prayer for that. You want Jesus to come into your life and to be the Savior and Lord of your life. Maybe you've come on your own. Maybe you have been brought by one of the people in the church. But it's you that I'm talking about. Right where you are, our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If you say, Bishop, would you please pray for me? I want to invite Jesus Christ into my life, into my heart. Please pray for me. I'm far from God. I really want my life to change today. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand right where you are? I just want to pray for you. Just raise it high. Let me see it. Just raise it high where you are. Let me pray for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for those hands. God bless you, every one of you. See, this is a place where we are not ashamed to come to God for help. We don't apologize to say, God, I need your help. We're not here to try and save face and give an impression. We are here because we need God's help. Thank you. Thank you. All of those of you who raised your hands, will you stand on your feet, please? Right where you are. Just stand on your feet. You can put your hands down, but just stand on your feet. Give them a big hand, Basil and I, as they stand. It takes a lot of courage to do what these people are doing. It takes a lot of courage. I commend you for it. Come on. That's, give them a big hand. That's not a big hand. That's not a big hand. There may be somebody who's still seated. There may be somebody who wanted to raise their hands and stand with these people. Maybe you are seated. Just join them. Stand. Look, they are standing. Don't be afraid. You see, the environment, it's a good environment. No one is going to judge you. No one is going to look at you like there's something wrong with you. Just stand on your feet in Jesus' name. Just stand and say, Bishop, count me in. Help me in. Some of you, you may be sitting next to somebody that you have brought to church today. You know they need Christ. You know they need their life to change. But maybe they're afraid to stand. But if you were to stand with them and say, I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. Don't worry. Just go ahead and stand with them. Come on. Just do it in the church now. Do it right now. Because this is the time for God to change people. That's right. That's the way to do it. Well done. Well done, Miguel. Anybody else in the house? Come on. Stand with your friend. It might be your neighbor, it might be your husband, it might be your wife, it might be your parents, it might be your mom, it might be your dad, doesn't matter, just stand with them. Doesn't matter, it might be your your employer, it doesn't matter. Just say, listen, I'll stand with you. If you want to stand, I'll stand with you. Hallelujah. All right, I want to pray for everyone of you who's standing. All right. I'm gonna invite you just to come from where you are, right? And just walk to the front. Take all your belongings, don't leave your belongings behind. All right, please just walk to the front. The ushers will help you, just walk to the front. That's right. That's the way we give them a big hand. Come on. That's the way we do it. Well done, Baba. Come on. That's the way we do it. Here they come. Here they come. Here they come.